0: Hello, I'm Rob Hirschfeld, CEO and Co-Founder of RackN, and your host for the Cloud 2030 Podcast. Today's episode is about open source, sustaining open source, and discussing how the commercial models and sustaining models around open source are changing and evolving. Uh, and then we included some conversations about whether or not generative AI might actually change the economics around that part of open source. Overall, a fascinating conversation where we really hit on top projects, open source hardware, uh, open source operating systems, platforms, the whole gambit, and how it fits together into a sustainable model for the users, for companies, for enterprises, um, really for for everybody. We all use open source to one extent or another. Uh, One thing I would remind you is that we do have our book club coming up, uh, Data Cartels. We're going to be discussing it on... May the 4th, and uh, I hope you uh, take a time to read at least some of the book. It's pretty dense, but um, amazing from chapter one. So uh, please come join us in that discussion, and uh, we want to hear your opinions on it. So without further ado, our discussion about open source, where it's going. For me, with, with open source, it's interesting because, you know, the, um, you know, aside of certain, certain you know, big projects like Kubernetes, and even with Kubernetes, I think it's worth talking through, um, the, the urgency or the momentum around open source seems to have shifted because a lot of the open source work that I see being done is actually being done, there's an open source project, but a lot of it ends up being a SaaS. Um, and the SaaS is the, the thing that's promoted. Um, the open source ends up being somewhat secondary, although we can, we can talk about that. Or we have challenges that we see, like with what happened in Terraform, where HashiCorp is um, is you know dealing with the challenge of a whole bunch of people competing with its monetization strategy around ter- around Terraform. Uh, in Terraform, you know they're trying to build Terraform Cloud and monetize that. But there's they have direct competitors with Terraform Cloud using Terraform. Uh, M Zero just raised a huge amount of money um, on a on a platform that does that. I know there's several, there's many others, it's several, because um, it's also getting embedded in other projects, um, which raises questions about the, the business model.
1: I've just put it uh, I just put it in chat. Databricks open source's Dolly. Their mm, second okay. version of Dolly. And this what's, was a, a model that was like way cheaper to build has more specific types of parameters and is absolutely free to be customized by anyone.
0: What's what are they expecting to happen from that?
1: So basically, okay, so it's a it's a low-cost LLM. And what okay. they're expecting is that because it uses data from Alpaca to make minor adjustments to open source 6 billion parameter model from Eleuthera AI, elicits the instruction following capabilities such as brainstorming and text. Um, the reason that they did this is they believe that over time people are going to find so many tweaks needed for chat GTP um mm. that that it'll that it'll add cost and won't be as successful as open AI is preaching that it is. Uh, that being said it's it is very interesting I was playing around with it just a little bit but basically what they're trying to do is, Make the capabilities such that oh go away. Um sorry, talking to my That's cell phone. Part. Um that the the way it's set up, you can actually take this, start making your prompts, and put this against your existing knowledge. So this is the fast track to what I was talking about in terms of enterprise use.
0: This- all right, got that. I, I guess when I look at the open source aspect of this, are they expecting to create a community of users around this where they're gonna get contributions back upstream? Are they building this into a product that they're hoping people will then buy, right? I mean, Databricks is a open source um, uh, Hadoop Hadoop and Elastic. I believe. Yeah. Um, So they've got a product of their own, they're embedding into this predominantly based on open source product, but are they expecting that... um, I'm trying to figure out the open source angle, right? I mean, I totally get Databricks coming in and saying, we now have a generative AI model embedded in Databricks. You should buy Databricks as a product because we have this piece. Um, I would suspect a lot of their customers Probably don't care that it's open or not if it's available in their platform. Are they are they expecting people to, you know, start using this outside of the DataBricks platform or outside of you know build a, a give and take community, you know, a collaborative community around the model itself? That that's that's where I'm I'm trying to figure out the open source model from.
1: Yeah, um, I think. First of all, they're, they're allowing researchers to review, adjust, improve on the LLMs more quickly uh, without a license. And then I think it's very hard to tell. I'm trying to give you a straight answer, but it's really hard to tell because I'm not sure that they're not going to come back on this in terms between open source and closed. Um, sure. Dolly2 follows the open source model, source-based model philosophy. Okay. Okay, that changes on a day-to-day not basis. Only model
0: philosophy, not the mod- Yeah, model that, that to me is the most twenty twenty-three open-source statement I, I have actually heard yet.
1: Yeah, I know. I know. Um, I okay. I think oh. the, the clearest answer I can give you is anyone can use, modify, or extend this data set for any purpose, including commercial applications. Okay adding that the data set can be done. Da- you can download it from GitHub and or or through Databricks from a hugging face, et cetera. Um, sure. I think what they're trying to do is put their arms around a way that they can monetize this longer term by giving a lot of freebies out there, seeing what people like, and then look to productize it. That's my, sure. my opinion.
0: Um, <laughs>
1: the last time i spoke to databricks directly i'll tell you that i got a, a sign or a bunch of little you know breadcrumbs dropped that if as they do this they're going to look to create i don't want to say industry vertical products but close to it
0: I, that makes a ton of sense to me our our big question on the generative devops what you know is is really the training and how yeah. narrow, you know, how narrow or correct, you know, the, the training becomes because you don't. We don't want to train on random stuff. No. <laughs> um, you know, it needs to be a pretty narrowly defined thing. I guess I, from this perspective, and this is where I think I get confused about the industry from an open source perspective. Um, I get free. Um, I mean, and, and ChatGPT is brilliant in that it's cheap enough that people consider it a non a non cost. But they, they also are, are hearing some concerns about it. You know, we're we're basically teaching them, or we're, we're paying them we to, for them to learn. Um, yeah. And uh, I you know it's just it's brilliant from that perspective from, from a cost perspective. It, it doesn't sh- nobody's slowed down funny, they call it open AI. Um, are, are the models open? Is, the, is it really an open source thing? And, and yeah. I haven't, okay.
1: Yeah, I think what they're trying to get to is they don't want the hyperscalers to own the space. Okay. Right, Because you have Microsoft with ChatGTP and Google with BART and AWS providing a bunch of infrastructures and they just have an, a, a, You know, their hugging face partnership So they wanted to get a piece, Databricks wanted to get a piece of that business. So I think what they're going to do is in order to get out there, they'll leave it as open source, but then they'll go into the quote unquote industry vertical
2: market.
0: Okay. The the need for for models is so, trained models is so high and the expertise to train a model is high. I mean, conceivably, it doesn't give away the the uh, software in cell models, or the for the training infrastructure, or the application. I mean, there's a lot of places to monetize.
2: There's going to be a big market for keeping models up to date. This is going to be the same as mm-hmm. vulnerability databases or, or such. Like that, there's going to be a, a whole market uh, of businesses that make it their their job just to churn out uh, like daily updates or or hourly the, depending on the the urgency
1: of the wow. and and that's that's the comment that I made to you earlier about AI dev and AI ops, not only on the pure infrastructure side, but also on the maintenance of the models. And this is also where you would find the third party, Provisioners coming in.
0: Provisioners and what Extra
1: feeds to, well, extra feeds to not only keep models current, but also to add more context from like a news feed, like the Bloomberg thing. Ah, uh, uh, okay. Yep. Or true. Reuters.
0: Um, I could see the same thing about adding safeguards and rules and, um, right, the, the uh, saw an article. <laughs> this uh, our open source conversations turning into a generative AI conversation, as often seems to happen. Um, about the improved results of having um, the AI second pass of AI actually verify you know, give a confidence. So we talked about this weeks ago. Yeah, like the ability to come back and say, "Hey, do you think this? Do you think this answer is right?" And the just asking the AI to ask that question about it, you know, its answer um, created a significantly improved goal. Um, but, I mean, it's this, boy, I, I'd love for this stuff to be open so it was not um, owned by, a, you know, the, 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 the tools and components were not owned by any specific entity. Strikes me that the stacks with this are so big. Or there's so much supporting infrastructure like what you just named that um that the openness of the model itself is potentially not that much of a driver. But, that if I'm going to adopt these these this stuff, I'm going to end up choosing a stack from a vendor who has the expertise and all of the integrations to to work with that, the actual, you know, I don't, I don't know what's open in that, or if it even, based on my experience with, with management and maintenance of systems, open source does not have enough uh, monetary incentives to create type of maintenance models that Ross was describing, where you need daily and ongoing updates. That's, that's open source communities don't do that ever, very well.
1: No. Um, But they also don't do, with all due respect to the open source community, they also don't do a good job of keeping current with the actual hardware stocks. You know what? I I haven't seen anything around NVIDIA with respect to specialized chips for AI or Omniverse in open Hmm. source.
2: Uh, okay I, I would actually yeah I okay. would actually disagree with open source not keeping up with daily updates. Like it, oh, cool. it, it is not okay. ubiquitous, okay. but there's certainly open source projects that are uh, focused around community source um, information. like for example, look at Chain Guard. Yeah. Which is uh like I like if you're familiar with um uh, like with, with um like essentially like a, uh like malicious IP databases. Chain guard open sources that mm. and, and and in fact makes it like it makes it essentially a, a blockchain product that the information is mm. published and immediately available as soon as one of the agents that uses Jinkart, uh, Flax, it and such.
0: Um, lo- Plus, look I don't at open- Interesting, there might be an interesting distinction between um, open source and open data or open... Interesting, I, I like that comment though. Go ahead, Joanne.
1: No, I I, I, I don't mean... How do I put it? I'm not disagreeing with you, Klaus. I'm saying that in certain areas, things that are very forward thinking in some respects seem to fall by the wayside in the open source communities, like to, to the point about NVIDIA and the specialized chips for AI or the metaverse. I don't see a lot in open source around that. I don't see projects saying, yes, if we set up this kind of a stack, these are the pros, these are the cons, these are projects that we want to work on to truly optimize them. How are we bringing them in? That's what I'm not seeing. Now, maybe it's just that area where I find it lacking, but I just don't see a lot of it.
2: I think think it has to do a bit with... Open source being wary, uh, with these kind of projects being spearheaded by a single vendor, um, for example, like let us say let's go with the NVIDIA thing. Let's say, um, if I was an open source developer, I, I would be hesitant to support, um, NVIDIA community product uh because they don't exactly have the the best history in in producing open source software for their for their gpus so um so again it's I don't think it's so much about the open source not being capable or 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 not being willing to do it in general it's more about open source being choosy about which um commercial
1: uh sources they work with. So they choose HP over NVIDIA.
2: But, for example, yeah.
0: <laughs> which uh, which is in, which well that it's interesting because that in the the leading the leader uh, let's we can argue or not, but let's assume you know if you whether NVIDIA is, has is a leadership position, then the open source piece ends up being a, um, a a tool, a strategy, for some of the followers to try and um, uh, you know uh, track market share away from a, from a one of the leaders in this case. I mean, I think making a, a broad generalization, I think NVIDIA's leadership position. And the fact that a lot of what, you know, like game development doesn't particularly care about open source. I'm not sure there's, well, they have a lot of shared community tools. Yeah. But but they're not open, right? Is is Unity open? I don't think it is. I think it's a proprietary, I thought it was a proprietary engine. Omniverse? Uh, no, well, I'm thinking about the Unity engine that's used by- um, There the is Microsoft a community Steam. edition. There's a community edition, but it's not open. The model's not open. Um, I agree mean, this is this to me is, is a is a worthwhile distinction inside of a community if you're building an effective community you might have a ton of open source development going on this is the closest point I'm an open developer open source developer and my goal is to be open source I could do a whole bunch of open source work inside of Nvidia's ecosystem but I'm not going to have the tools Uh, and the chips and the drivers and things like that open to the extent that um, that, you know, I would like to see to ensure that my project can survive outside of that ecosystem. Oh, cool. Thank you for the link.
1: Yeah. Those are all uh, unity open source packages.
0: They, they are but I don't think the engine itself is open They're, this is this ah. is what I would consider eco open ecosystem okay around right. around a around a uh, proprietary just like there's a ton of I would say Amazon has an amazing open source ecosystem that they have every incentive to and you know, but a lot of a lot of these and this is I think going back to where AI is too right. These platforms end up with open ecosystem, um, a ton of open ecosystem projects. Um, actually, even De- Dungeons and Dragons just had a, a huge uh, kerfluffle on their licensing. Not even code. This is like ability to use the, the copyright because they were trying to claw back, change the use of copyright um, in some of in some of their. They have a huge ecosystem of secondary and derivative words. Mm-hmm. And they were, they were in right. But it's, fundamentally, it's a proprietary, it's an ecos, open ecosystem around a proprietary platform.
1: Software, yeah. We see okay. the model so, over and over again. Right, and to that, I 100% agree. So, Unreal's engine is open source though.
0: Okay. And it's not
1: that I'm hyped on game oh, that's that's this is my this is
0: my lack of knowledge that's cool okay
1: yeah yeah it's it's just about to me you know looking at the core engines being made open source is a tremendous advantage for unreal over unity but unity's actual capabilities when it comes to things like metaverse or um, non gamification or non gaming technologies um I've played with both, I find one much harder to use than the other, but that just could be the resources that I'm using them on. And I'm sort of looking at the idea that, to your point, if Unity made the engine open source, what would happen to its market?
0: That's I think the key the key question on the drives whether or not we have you know where open source is going and how to how to, how to work on it. In some ways, if they were if they were starting out, it might make it bigger. Yes. Right. But they've been um, around
1: for a while. So you know. it
0: happened. been. I mean and and games and games you know often require um, you know a um, catalog trusted vendor, right? There's a lot of pieces, sort of like what happens in the Android. Android's a good example of a successful open source um, mm-hmm. project in a sort of limited way. It's it's open source and that's important because there's multiple vendors contributing. Um, I I don't think of Android as a, um, maybe, maybe I'm not saying this right. Um, it is definitely a thriving open source community. There's not a lot, you know, it, a good example to me of if you're gonna buy a phone, I, I suspect the number of people who are actually building, compiling, and installing their own Android OS is remarkably, is, you know, remarkably small in part because I think the hardware is, you know, the vendors are, are building OSs that run on their hardware and they probably have some lock requirement for that.
2: Well, Android is a success, success story in open source, but not in yeah. the sense that that you would think it is. So, yeah. Android, the, the base Android is a success story in, in being an ecosystem. Uh, the, the success of open source for Android is not on new devices, but it is... And providing long-term support via uh, open-source projects like Linux OS uh, and uh, post-market OS, etc. Like that, that's the real success of, of, of open source. In in that, open source has been proven to be able to provide updates. You know, in some cases, critical updates for devices that no longer receive support by the vendors. Yes,
0: I, I, this is a place to me where I would love to see, um, there, there's always risks to this for the vendors, but for vendors to roll um, versions of software that have gone out of, out, of, out of maintenance into open source, right? At, at that point, it's usually years out of date. It allows you to keep devices going. Um uh, that, that also can cause vendors to do weird things on breaking version and make that compatibility prevent somebody from using the old versions of the software. Um, so, you know, I, and I mean, then you pretty, also
1: Well, yeah. then you also have to accommodate for the vendor, the hardware vendors and the carriers who add their own, flavors of bloatware on top and their licensing arrangements.
2: Which I, I I think is also why Google has made the right decision in taking all of their quote unquote play uh, components out of the os and providing them as software that can be installed completely separately like the the the, the store um, their and the app design is really critical for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that market. I, I think uh, Linux,
0: one of the things that made Linux incredibly help, you know, powerful and, and gave it the life
2: cycle that it has is that it has the composable, the very composable OS. And and the other thing also that has helped is that Google became stricter with their requirements for android compatibility um like y- you compare android devices five years ago versus android devices now or, or or worse even 10 years ago um that was a nightmare of binary blobs and custom firmware <laughs> um and each vendor needed to create a build for their phone separately. And now I, all of that has been ab- abstracted. There is a requirement to meet certain baselines. Um, there is still, like CPU vendors still, are are, are still not an entirely, uh, up to date with, with, with that yet. For example, if if your if your phone is using a like a, a MediaTek processor, then that's that's going to be much more difficult to run on on open source um, Android on it versus something using a, a Snapdragon. But we're getting there.
1: But that also kind of goes back to the comment that I made about hardware. Mm -hmm. And I would love to see open source move more into the firmware and hardware spaces than the software spaces because A for security and, and the development of open source security sort of paradigm and also, because over time, particularly as the market for PCs continues to drop and drop and drop, and more capability is being put on the phones or other devices, why not look at the optimization of that hardware?
2: And, and you see that and, and you see that being well and alive in, in Europe with devices like like fairphone uh yeah. and, and um, what's the this other one the uh the, the purism phones um unfortunately we do, we don't get those in north america um but um I mean the the, the the demand for it is is healthy okay like it, it's certainly not mainstream but those who who do want uh, an open source device or open source hardware, they will seek out these devices.
1: Um, Well, I I think that they are and I think the thing that's going to drive that more going forward is when you get groups like Solana releasing hardware. hmm. You
2: know,
1: you're your your wallet phone slash whatever whatever in one device
2: and, and then, I'm not sure that that's do, actually gonna do, up, you, but
1: you, the idea I mean, is what was we'll interesting cuz
0: raspberry pi went through a, has you know is arguably a, sort of along those lines
2: it is
1: yeah
2: yeah it it, it is it, on, on arduino on on hmm? on lots of boards in in between there with, with some the uh, aspect and, and also that there is the enthusiast community for for various things like for example uh, mechanical keyboards or 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 even for for probable, probable devices like anything that that has a has a high iFixit score it is essentially an open source or or close to open source hardware Right. And it, the, 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 the side to, would replace all parts. Well, and the, the,
0: the uh, one of the things I've been thinking about along these lines, rewinding a little bit, but, and um, let me pull us back from the hardware side for a second, because um, I was thinking about um, the Docker shim and how we, dock, you know, the, the thing that made Docker work is Docker What didn't work without custom, a uh, kernel shim, replacing parts of the kernel in Linux. Um, you know, the only way that, that, that whole evolution could have happened was having a way to write a custom kernel and then change the kernel in Linux enough to enable Docker. Cause it took years before that was, that was in the kernel. Mm-hmm. And it was a really successful open source innovation cycle. Um, that could have only worked right in this sort of like, oh, I can re- I can build my own kernel, I can replace my kernel, and I can validate that this works um, enough that it could get mainstream. Yeah, and and I think hard there's there's elements where from a hardware perspective, you know, we can build things on hardware, and if you have access to the specs for the hardware, it doesn't doesn't require it to be open. It just well.
2: Uh, and it has That's also showcased definition of open here. Yeah, it also showcased that there there's a demand for um, open source kernel customization, uh, particularly like with with low with with a low entry barrier. And um, I believe that like a EPPF is a direct result of of this kind of successory where yes. where developers saw that there is a demand for for changing kernel behavior dynamically without having to recompile it.
0: Right.
1: But then the question remains yeah. in my yeah. mind anyway, the future of open source. I don't know. I have very mixed emotions about it. I mean, there's a part of me that wants to be very supportive and say, go, 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 and keep making things open source. And there's another part of me that's watched it dwindle significantly. I mean, look at GitHub being bought. That's the anathema of open source.
0: Somebody has to, this, is, this has been part of my challenge with all of this is that, that there are some examples where a community can maintain system, but um, you know, running services, having engineers doing, you know, debug test support docs, um, you know, bug fix tests, right? Even the um, example we were talking about with Android and needing to abstract the hardware, I mean, somebody made a significant investment in the community. I guess Google or the hardware vendors um, to provide that abstraction to enable the system to work. All of those things are driven by right. There's a there's you know there's commercial interests that are driving
1: that. Yeah, this commercial I, think, I think
0: we've we've seen right, but but that you know, open we, we haven't done a good job providing that impetus
2: from a open source right uh, like I, user. Perspective. Yeah. I, I I can I can see the point to open source software. I, I well, I'll definitely do. I I can I see mm-hmm. the point to open source data. I see the point to open source hardware. Yeah. Um, I I don't. Think that open source services are—I mean—they're they're not impossible, uh, and, we, and we can see this like happening with Maslow, for example, like um, like the Nimendly uh, Foundation that does essentially an open source service to support hacky-derm. Uh but mm-hmm. yeah. by and large, um, again, someone needs to needs to pay to to keep the lights on. And um, I guess Wikipedia is another example of that. Like they rely largely on, on donations as well. Yeah so, so there are a couple of examples. They're, they're just not very common. Uh, so I, I do not think that that GitHub being bought by Microsoft is a failure of open source. Like it, it's exactly. not like Microsoft is, is, is now saying like nope, no open source projects allowed here anymore. For well, the most part, it's business as usual. Mm-hmm.
1: I just see the vendors I, reaping a tremendous amount of benefit of what I would call free thought. And I don't see the communities necessarily, you know, it, it's it's kind of like, hey, us, for your expertise, and then give it to us for nothing, right? The bug bounties, all of the, all of the, you know, various um, services that are being provided by the community are basically unpaid labor to the vendor who's driving that particular project. What I don't see is, and then you have. The community ending up being acquired by a, a big tech company—how is that in any way part of the spirit of openness? It's—it's it's to me, I guess. Uh, uh, how do I put it? I don't want. It's going to come out badly. Well, there's, because there's a, the, there's the a the market, market. What you're describing
0: to me is is a, a go-to-market strategy, leveraging open source. That people will, you know, invest, you know, become users of a project on the enthusiasm of it being open and free, and then, um, you know, those become monetization. The, the user base becomes the monetization power. So that, that's to me what, what I'm what I'm hearing from you. Well, yeah, maybe but positive, in
1: perpetuity, it's not just the go to market part of it. It's it's the business model part of it.
2: I, I, I see your point. Um, to make a counterpoint, uh, I, I would say, um, open source and, and and not just open source, but also free and open source software. Uh, mm-hmm. in particular, um, it, it's a it's a two way street. I mean, if if everyone, if if there's no no monetization and or no marketing or or, or recapture of effort even if it's in 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 the in the in the sense of free labor like bug bounties like i said or 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 open source contributions then in then it if if it's not a two-way street uh then the the maintainer will will abandon the project and and this has happened in the past and it still happens where 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 a maintainer might say, like, you know, you know what, I, I, I keep getting these demands to patch these things, but no one is contributing anything. I'm, I'm not gonna do it anymore. Uh, And I don't blame them for that. Uh, So, so making an an open source product available uh, is is not the same as supporting an open source product, Uh, and and supporting and and using commercial means to support an open source product. I, I don't think it's an anathema to to the open source uh, values itself. It's it just it's just a way of balancing the sheets it,
1: it, It's a very valid point. I guess if I look prognostically at the future, I don't know that, with the way technology is changing so quickly there's a long term somebody's going to figure out how to monetize it in a better way not by buying github or or you know some of the other communities but rather like i see a lot of this with the product hunt stuff right where it starts as an open source project people start onboarding to it they you know they're raving about the capabilities that it's going to bring and then one, two, or including the, the maintainer or the founder uh, say, well, this has commercial application and it's gone from open source. So, There's rarely a time that I've seen other than Android for example, or Linux, where you have the Linux foundation you know, sort of step up, um, keep something going long-term without either branching it off as a commercial product or taking a commercial product and bringing it into open source.
2: So so would you perhaps then say, like going back to what I was saying before that open source being a two-way street, would you argue then that, or, or at least would you fear that it is not a stable equilibrium? Yes, I, I I can see that. Um, I I see. I've seen open source come and go, like or or flow, ebb and flow. Um, and perhaps you're right. Perhaps it is not a stable equilibrium. But I would also argue that. The system as a whole is not completely unstable, so it, it's 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 unstable but within limits, or, or at least it currently is. Like, there might be a tipping point in in the future where, where, where there is uh, or an inflection point where where something big changes that that mm-hmm. that topples the whole thing over. Like and it may be alternative AI that does it. Um, yeah. I mean we were we certainly we certainly thought that there was that we had an equilibrium in, in the labor market and on on now we are wondering whether that's not true. So um huh. yeah it, it could happen. I'm I'm not denying it. Um I I however I, I am I would be remiss to say that I am not optimistic that, that we could that we won't be able to reach a new equilibrium.
1: Well, I think it's,
0: it's, I, 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 go ahead, go ahead, Rob no 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 go ahead I, I, well, it's interesting because a lot of what what I am you know pointing out are things that are very sort of expertise focused or time focused on maintenance and you know a lot of these a lot of these things, and that could be exactly what AI lowers the barrier on to make it easier to contribute or update or. What's more important, and, uh, all right, I'll tell a short, a Short. I, I literally had this conversation yesterday and it was relevant. Somebody was asking me why uh, RackN doesn't offer OpenStack, right? but I have a huge history there and our, our market, our customers would probably like to see uh, alternative to VMware here. Uh, and OpenStack would be the leading choice. And I said, well, what would happen if we found a bug we you know we could set it up we could run it we could get the installs going. What if we found a bug in OpenStack? How would what would we do? Assuming we didn't get it from uh, Red Hat. You mm-hmm. know, okay. And and I and and I'm like and you know we we walked it through. I'm like we'd have to find the bug, have the expertise, patch the bug. Great. And then we have a choice, right? Assuming we're going to submit, we don't have any interest in maintaining that fork, but we're going to submit that bug uh, back upstream to OpenStack as a community. And we're going to have to have enough representation. And maybe this is OpenStack specific, but I don't think so. I think this is universal. Enough representation and uh, acceptance to say, hey, here, you know, to have that bug accepted, <laughs> we're, you know, we're going to have to have community credibility to do that. And then it's going to have to go through a process and then be built into a release and things like that. We're going to have to be able to build our own port, maintain our own branch with that fix in it for the customer who needed it and test it adequately, to sure that we think it's correct and then roll that roll that out independent of the community
2: work. Um, right. So so and you are thinking then that, yeah. that uh, with, with alternative AI, you could have like, Currently, with, with a lot of software you see, uh, like, particularly with open source software, you see uh, like the OSS version or community version and the, the enterprise version. You, you think that there would be a place for a third tier, the, the, the generated version uh, for something that you say like, hey, we, we, we've built this. We haven't tested it, but it was generated automatically. Go, go wild with it. Oh, uh, maybe actually, at some point that, that might end up um, uh, graduating into a community-supported version on, on later on in, into enterprise.
0: It, actually, that was not where I went. That's an interesting. I, what I see is I what I laid out is a is a is a lot of overhead for us, right? It it would require us to have you know expertise and processes in place to. to build all that stuff. There's a significant investment we need to make. At that point, we become a distro vendor, right? And we become a light, you'd have to become a licensee and there's all sorts of stuff. Um, if generative AI let us, I, we can't get away from doing all that work. But we might be able to get away from the overhead of of having the make like like building all of the expertise to do it, we might be able to lower. Like we might might make it easier to write unit tests. It might be, uh, I, I don't think this is AI, just AI, right? If we were going to do this, um, we, would, we would need a build infrastructure. We'd need to be able to test the build against different, right? I'd, I'd want to be able to do all that. I couldn't just rely on the community's build infrastructure. Although OpenStack has a strong community with um, I think they finally built their own build infrastructure. They used to count on third parties. I know Kubernetes, I believe, still relies on Google's build infrastructure, right? They, it's not a distributed build. I
2: I don't know, actually.
0: I but, I mean, I, 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 I remember in the early days, one of the things that, because of my knowledge on this topic, right, I've... I've I know you. you, If you can have a distributed build infrastructure, that's really a big deal. One of the things that that Rocky Linux did that I really admired um, was that they actually built a distributed build community to help ensure that that you know this type of problem was was not they weren't dependent on like CentOS is dependent on Red Hat to run their build infrastructure, and so they can make changes to CentOS. (laughs) That other people can't do anything about because that build infrastructure is not open source.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, Unlike, for example, Debian's uh, reproducible builds.
0: And that this this to me is part of what we're what we're coming back to, and we're at we're out of time, and I'm I'm going to have a hard stop. But I think this is one of the things that's really essential. And I, there's an AI question sort of deeper in here of the reproducibility. Of the, of the systems, not just the code in the community sense is, I think, really underestimated. Um, but it requires a big investment and a lot of expertise. If we can reduce the barrier for expertise and open source could be more popular. Until then, and I'll, I'll, I'll use this as a wrap-up statement, until then, the barrier for open source is not the code. It's actually all of this other stuff which is why we keep seeing open source projects becoming SaaS. Where then right that's that's the, the distribution model for open source ends up being SaaS because of all of the those adjacent
2: expenses. Some interesting proposal, perhaps something for a future date to discuss. Uh, as <laughs> well as for Absolutely.
0: <laughs> you got to a good spot, I think, in it. Um thank you. This was this was insightful. Um, I wish they were easy. <laughs> they were easy. We just solved the problem. Thank you all. Have a good weekend.
1: You're welcome. Bye.
0: Wow, there's no doubt that open source is a significant value generator for our economy, world. And I think responsible ultimately for solving deep problems uh, that we are facing in everything from the environment to human rights. And yet, we do have to understand how we're going to build, pay, and feed people who are responsible for maintaining all that infrastructure we depend on. It is one of the most pressing problems that we have in tech. Uh, This type of topic. Uh, That type of weight is part of Cloud 2030's mission in discussions, and I hope you will join us for it. Um, Or if you're enjoying this podcast and you've listened all the way to the end, let us know. Uh, We want to know what you're thinking about. If you're enjoying the conversations, it's always helpful for us to get some feedback. And with that, you can learn more and see more about our agenda at the2030.cloud. Talk to you there. Thank you for listening to the Cloud 2030 podcast. It is sponsored by RackN, where we are really working to build a community of people who are using and thinking about infrastructure differently. Because that's what RackN does. We write software that helps put uh, operators back in control of distributed infrastructure, really thinking about how things should be run and building software that makes that possible. If this is interesting to you, uh, please try out the software. We would love to get your opinion and, and, and hear how you think this could transform infrastructure more broadly. Or just keep enjoying the podcast and coming to the uh, discussions and you know laying out your thoughts and how you see the future unfolding. It's all part of building a better infrastructure operations community. Thank you.